Welcome to Speaking Candidly with Candace, where we talk in depth with everyday people about their fears, their challenges, and their triumphs. I'm your host, Candace Schoner, and today I'm excited to speak with Danielle Gaudet about her new book, The Healing Tree, a, prede- a redemptive story of family, forgiveness, and self acceptance. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you, Candace. I'm delighted to talk to you. And first, let me tell you that um, I've read part of your book, as you know, and loved it. I am very intrigued by the title. Um, Mm -hmm. So can you tell the audience a little bit about the book, how you got came up with the title and what it's about? Oh, sure. Um, So, right. So the title is Healing Tree and the subtitle is An Adoptee's Story of Hurting, Healing, and Letting the Light Shine Through. So Healing Tree comes from an experience I had many, many years ago. It's, I think that was back in the summer of 2000 now, when I made my first trip to Sedona, Arizona, where the the energy practice that I do and became a, a teacher and trainer of eventually, um, we there's a retreat center out there. So I had I was at the retreat center and I did a healing session. I experienced my first ever spiritual healing session at that retreat, and I had a very profound healing experience where. I, I released so much of the emotional pain that I was holding onto related to my childhood and my adoptive mother. And there was such a cleansing that after I moved so much of that emotion and so much of that pain through me, I, I felt the feeling of a giant tree growing inside my body and the roots were at my core and I felt so strong and powerful and the branches stretched up through my heart and there was sun shining through and I just felt kind of renewed and sort of reborn at that time. So I held on to that image and that that word healing tree was I was writing it in my journal and writing it everywhere and it became like a symbol for my healing journey. I love that story and I it does conjure up a great image. Um yeah. You've just mentioned for the mm-hmm. audience that you were adopted mm-hmm. um, and that this was a very healing experience that you had over your adoption and your, I think your mother in particular, but yeah. in the book you share that you were very close to your adoptive parents, especially your mother. Yeah. So would you say your childhood was a happy one? You know, there's just two, two, there's two sides to it. I would say, yes, it was because I received so much love from my parents and I was so close to them and especially my adoptive mother. I, she was like my best friend in the world and they, they gave me so much. I loved my family, but on the other hand, my adoptive mother struggled with mental illness and she had just acute very acute anxiety and depression. And so her pain, you know, was my pain because I was so close to her and I was so connected to her that when she suffered, I suffered. So I ended up spending so much of my childhood also trying to make her happy and bring her some peace and joy because I didn't want to see her hurting. So it was, you know, it was a bittersweet experience. 
Were you adopted as an infant or um, toddler? Yes, as an infant, I was 10 days old when I was adopted. So your, your adoptive parents were the only parents you knew? That's correct, yes. And you mentioned that, you know, your mom did have severe anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. When did you, because, you know, obviously as a child, toddler, I don't think we notice those signs and we don't really know what they mean. So do you know approximately how old you were that you first realized your mother was struggling with mental illness? Yeah, I would say that what she, whatever it was that she was going through, she was managing it okay until I was around six years old. And that's when it started to get more severe. So that was when it really came to my attention. I was about six years old. And did you have any other siblings growing up? Yes. My younger sister, Renee, she was also adopted. She was adopted four years after me. So I I did read parts of the book and my understanding is that your adoptive parents could not have children and that's why they adopted you? Yes, that's correct. Do you recall when you first learned that you were adopted? That was something that I feel that I grew up knowing. I mean, I learned that at the time that I was just learning anything in life. There was no specific moment except that I have some memory of sort of an ongoing conversation where my mother would explain to me very lovingly, very tenderly that I I didn't grow in her belly, but I grew in another lady's belly. And then when I was born, when I came out of that lady's belly, my mother came to get me. And this is why I was her adopted angel. That's how she would explain it to me from, from forever. So when I was young, I it didn't, it wasn't a startling piece of information. In fact, it seemed kind of good, you know, to me when I was very young, it seemed like a very special thing in my family and in my house. So it wasn't really until I got a little bit older and went to school and was around the other children that I realized, oh, this is something different. This is something kind of strange to people. So that that's how I was raised with it. Do you think that your childhood or actually even how you are now would have been different had your parents not been open about the adoption and maybe withheld it and told you that you were adopted you know, after you were six? Oh, definitely. Definitely. The way they did it just helped it to be a very comfortable piece of information for me. And I felt I felt cared for. I felt embraced. I didn't feel threatened or shaken in any way. So I think the, you know, telling at that early age was really, really important and critical for my for my stability and health around that knowing that. And what was your relationship with your sister, your adopted sister? Was that a good one? Well, it was a good one. We were just very different. You know, she's four years younger than me and I loved her. She loved me. We we had a great family unit. There wasn't fighting or there wasn't um, a lot of discord in the house or anything between us in that way. But she was, we were just such different people. She was more, she loved sports and she loved hanging out in the neighborhood and playing kickball and riding bikes with all the 
kids and I was not that person. I was shy and I was introverted and I'd be kind of watching her from the window while I was sort of reading my book in my room or writing a poem. So we got along. We just didn't have a lot in common. We have a lot more in common now and we we spent we have a lot more to talk about and spend a lot more time connecting and sharing now as adults than we did when we were little. Now, you you talk about her in the book briefly, or I don't know, I didn't read the whole book, but you do talk about your sister. Mm-hmm. So how did your your adoptive parents and your sister feel about your book, about you writing your story? Well, so my adoptive mother passed away when in 2013. She's, right. go- she's gone now, but my adoptive father and my sister have been so supportive and they were really excited about it and they're very proud of me and they've been just 100 percent supportive from from the beginning till now and they continue to be that's awesome so why why write the book now or you obviously wrote it a while back but why Mm -hmm. write it and um when did you start thinking about it well i actually wanted to write the book I mean, I've been I'd been interested in writing since I was very small, and I went to the University of Iowa. I didn't attend the the very famous writers' workshop that they have there, but I went for the purpose of creative writing. So it's always been a thing for me, writing. And I was interested in I was thinking about writing a book for about a decade, I would say, but it it increased around 2015 when. My biological mother, actually, she wrote her memoir. And then in the memoir, she talked about me. And then after that, I decided to start a blog because there were some people who reached out to me after that on Facebook or online. And I I really wanted to have a blog where I could begin to share my own stories of my own journey because it's been it's been a very unique healing journey and I wanted to share my experiences and my messages. And that was very fulfilling for me. And there were many people during that time who said, Oh, it'd be so great if you had a book. And I always felt, yeah, I know I it would. And I, I've been a teacher trainer for about 20 years. So many of my students have also asked for a book over the years. So finally, when the pandemic hit, and my schedule completely just in a day shifted where I couldn't go to the center and do my appointments. I just had all this time and I thought, okay, now's my time. This is a message from the universe. <laughs> I'm going to write the book. So I actually started it in March, 2020. I took the whole blog. I kind of copied and pasted it into a document, a Word document. And I just began from there, like cutting, pasting, weaving a story together, adding meditating on how to shape it and how to make it happen. And it took about two years. Yeah. Two years to write and publish. Well, it is well woven together. Thank um, you. Can I say it's fair to say that your biological mom was, is a famous actress, fairly yes. famous actress. <laughs> yes. It's, it's fair to say. <laughs> so you're, if I can say, Mm-hmm. Uh, did my research that your biological mother is Kate McGraw McGrew. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Mulgrew. Mulgrew. Mm-hmm. Haven't met her. Um, mm-hmm. She was Captain Janeway on Star Trek Voyager, and mm-hmm. also for those who watch Orange Is the New Black, she's Red. Yeah. In that that's show. Yes. So who sought out who, and did she write her memoir before or after you two met? 
Oh, she wrote it after we met. We actually met long ago in 1998. So it's about 24 years now since our reunion. I was just 21 at the time. And what happened is um, it's, 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 the story has many parts, but now I know both sides of the story. So I can just sort of tell you what, what was going on was on my end, I, I had transferred to the University of Iowa. It was my uh, f- first semester of sophomore year, and I was more stable in my life than I had been to date. I was feeling more happy, more settled. I liked where I was. I had transferred from a school that I wasn't happy at. So I just feel like because I was more settled in life and because I was meeting so many new people in college and a lot of people kept asking, oh, what's your heritage? You know, where are you from? And I, there were so many things I didn't know that that my friends knew about themselves. And that just sort of, it kind of mm, was gnawing at me. I, there was a curiosity right. that was growing. I, I just want to, I felt, I just want to get some information maybe some pictures. I feel there's this missing piece about my blood that I would like to get clear about. So I wrote a letter to the Catholic Charity Bureau of Manhattan through the bureau where I was adopted through. And they wrote back right away saying that my files were burned in a fire. Oh, wow. Yeah. But uh, they said I could write to the state of of New York. So I, I did, I wrote a letter to the state of New York and then I put it in the mail right before I was about to leave to go abroad to Ireland for one semester. Uh. Yeah. So I made the return address, my, my parents' house in Boston where I was raised because I knew I was going to come back there for the summer before coming back to school. So I did, I did it that way. I turned 21 in Ireland. I came back for the summer I asked my father if I'd gotten any mail, and he said I had. And it was a letter from the state of Albany saying, even though you were born in New York, you were adopted through Massachusetts courts. So mm. we, we actually can't help you, but we're going to include here a brochure for the International Soundex Reunion Registry. This is an organization that... If you become a member and one of your biological parents are members, this company is going to match you. So I filled it out and two weeks later, I got a call and it was a woman saying, I believe we found a match. And she asked me a bunch of information and we went through this whole process that I write about in the book. And to which she finally ultimately said, we found your biological mother. She's Captain Catherine Jane. She's Kate Mulgrew, Captain <laughs> Catherine Janeway at Star Trek Voyager. She's in her trailer at Paramount right now waiting to talk to you. That happened. Oh, my God. I know. It happened so fast two weeks later. And what I realized was it happened so fast like that is because Kate, my birth mother, was also looking for me. And she had been looking for me for many years. She was oh, struggling wow. with her decision. And she kept... Every time she would visit New York, she would check to see if she could find anything out about me. And they kept saying no, because it was a closed adoption. And they kept saying only if, if, she, if she dies, we can tell you, but otherwise we cannot. Yeah. It was really painful for her. And then she hired a private detective who found me in, in Watertown, Massachusetts, where I grew up. And 
she was surprised because she had thought that I was going to be, she had thought that she, she was told that she was given the option to pick the parents who she wanted for me to go to. Right. And they, they, the ones that she had chosen were in New York and that's why she chose them. She wanted me to grow up in New York city. There was several things she wanted and that was one of them. So she was upset and then eventually she found she met the the nun who worked with her. Her name was Sister Una McCormick, which was very interesting because that was the same nun who helped my parents to adopt me. But anyway, she had found this nun and at a at a, a charity and she said she again asked, I want to know information about my daughter. Like I know she's not where I expected her to be. Give me some information, you know? And this woman, this this nun said, well, I'm just going to tell you she's looking for you now. Wow. Yeah. So she said, I'll give you this brochure for the International SoundX Reunion Registry, and we'll send one to her, and it's in your hands. And so that's how it happened so quickly. We both just filled it out right away. I was thinking it was going to take many, many years, but it happened in two weeks. And most, I would think, that takes many, many years um, yes. for, for that to happen. So it was sort of serendipity, I would say. Yeah, yeah, it was. So what did your, at this point, was your mother still alive or no? Yes, yes. My adoptive mother was still alive. So mm-hmm. how did they feel about you reaching out to your birth, well, yeah, your birth mom, Kate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They were very supportive. You know, they had always told me very fairly, when you turn 18, you can search for her. And, you know, it wasn't until I was about 20 that I started. So when I did start, I told them and she was, they were supportive. My mother said, we'll pull your papers from your, your safety deposit box for when you get home. And she had pulled them. And those were the papers, actually, that I needed to read to this woman who called me from this organization. So my parents were supportive. And then everything happened really fast after I spoke to Kate that day when she was in her trailer and I was in my kitchen having a near nervous breakdown. (laughs) (laughs) And then she came four days later to visit me. So everything happened very fast. And... um, I met with her for dinner, and the next morning, we met with my parents for a breakfast. And I think that was the only time, actually, that weekend, she stayed for that weekend, it was the only time that she and my adoptive mother met were together. It was the only time. And it was important time, even though it was really hard and overwhelming for me, and I write all about that in the book, how I was just kind of coming unraveled through this whole process but it was important because my my biological I know my adoptive mother had all this anxiety you know she was prone to anxiety and depression and I was always trying to make her happy so it was hard to be putting her in this position even though she was trying for me and I was just glad that they spoke and I write, I also write about this in the book. We had this really awkward breakfast where me and my father got up to get food from the buffet so they could kind of sit and talk for a minute because it was just, it just felt like they needed to talk because they were both very strong characters in their own different way. They have very strong personalities and they needed to have a little conversation. By the time we came back, Kate informed me that they had made an agreement 
that everyone was okay with everyone. They both were comfortable with and on board with if I was on board with it, which was that, you know, Kate knows that my mother, my adoptive mother who raised me is my mother. She wasn't going to try to come in and be like, no, I'm her mother. I'm taking her or anything. She wasn't going to get in the way. At the same time, my mother, my adoptive mother was going to honor whatever relationship me and Kate wanted to develop. If that's what I wanted, my adoptive mother was completely, you know, going to support that a hundred percent. So everybody was happy and I was sort of, um, <laughs> not the best. I was sort of a zombie. I don't know the right word any, anymore to describe. I was just, I'd gone into a state of shock and I didn't really come out of it for a long time, but I was at least glad that my adoptive mother could sort of have that conversation and her heart could be comforted by that. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine what that would be like to try to process that in such yeah. a short period of time of finding her and then meeting her and then yeah. having her meet your parents. Yeah. Who and knew? then, yes. And then within the month, I went to LA and I met my half brothers and many, many people from her world. So it was just one sort of overwhelming experience after another. And just recently, I put it together that I realized that um, I was in a state of shock and overwhelm, but also I felt out of control. And I was, I think, trying to regain a sense of control by just sort of going into a kind of numbed, just people pleaser state. Right. I mean, I just said, yes, okay, yes, okay, for for I don't even know how, about everything, about any question. Yes, okay, good, sure, <laughs> yes, okay. I couldn't, I didn't have a chance to feel. My feelings broke open a little bit after Kate had left Boston the first time. And then after I went to LA, they broke open even more. It was sort of like the ground that I was standing on fell out and I kind of tumbled into a hole that it took me a long time to pull myself out of and discover my primal wound and what I was, what was really happening inside of me and come to understand about my inner world and all of that. It took a long, long time. I, I again, can't imagine not being there, but do you remember your first conversation with your birth on? I, I hardly remember it. I, I, <laughs> I put a chapter in my book called Three Questions because I remember three questions she asked me. She asked me if I was happy. She asked me if I was pretty. She asked me if I believed in God. I remember because I was just, I was 21 and I was so cynical about everything in the world. And I'm just like, no, I don't, I don't believe. It. I just was sort of, you know, it was, it was a hard conversation. I was I was spinning. She also was surprised that I didn't have the same voice as her. So those who know her know she has a very unique oh, kind yeah, of raspy. Husky. Yeah. yeah uh -huh. yes. So she was surprised that I didn't have that voice. And then uh, another really interesting thing that came out of that conversation was I told her I was in school at the University of Iowa. And she, I remember she got really quiet. She said, Danielle, why are you in Iowa? <laughs> and I said, you know, I don't really know. I was in New Hampshire my first year. I didn't like it. I had a therapist. He recommended me. I don't know. There was a good writing course. I just kind of went. And she said, Danielle, I grew up in Iowa. She, she, her family oh, wow. farm. Yeah. 
was 20 minutes away from my campus where she grew up. So her mother and her brother, a couple of her brothers, I think, were all just about 20 minutes away from where I was at university. That's unbelievable. I know. Um, so they're crazy coincidences. Crazy coincidences. Mm-hmm. Um, it obviously sounds like a really positive experience, but I imagine, and you talk in the book about the healing process and so much emotion that went through meeting her and talking to her and I guess getting to know her. Um, I imagine it hasn't all been a bed of roses. It hasn't all been a bed of roses, but you know, it's interesting point that you're bringing up because sometimes I feel a little sorry because I know that there are many adoptees who have such difficult, painful stories, much, much harder than mine from a certain perspective, mine was really smooth. You know, I found her easily and she was looking for me and, you know, everyone was my parents, my adoptive parents were on board. There was a lot of good things. And then me and her proceeded to develop a relationship. And so that's all positive. But in the developing of the relationship, what happened to me was the the wounded aspect of being adopted that I was not even aware of because I call it a blind spot. It's something I couldn't easily identify because I don't have a memory of being adopted. It's not like having a painful childhood memory that you process. Right. It was sort of blind, but it became revealed the the hurts and the pain that was in this wounded part of my psyche it became revealed through my relationship with her, even though we were both trying, it was just, it was just hard. All those feelings came up. I became very oversensitive and fragile. And if she said something or did something or didn't say, or didn't do in any little tiny slight way, it was a huge deal for me inside. It was sort of like a, the trauma was coming out and it was very, messy and it it was unfortunate because it was being processed through the present day relationship and so what I had to do is sort of a lot of inner work to figure out what's going on here this doesn't make any sense this is too much my my sensitivity my emotionality how easily I feel hurt I've got to I've got to work through this so it was it's been 24 years and I I did a lot of processing through our relationship on that that deeper pain that was hidden from me i'm going to ask one other question because we're running tight on time sure but what would you say are the qualities that you got from your adoptive parents and what qualities or similarities do you have to your biological mom oh that's a great question okay so my my adoptive mother was just a ball of love so i learned about love how to give love, how to receive love. I also experienced the entire spectrum of emotion with her. So I learned how to really feel and emote in a very rich way. So um, a lot of, a lot alive, my feelings and emotions were are very alive. I've learned through my mother. My adoptive father is very gentle, kind, peaceful, pure. So he taught me a lot about 
um, having a pure heart, being a very stable, loyal person, appreciating nature and the moon and the little things in life. I feel like I got that from my adoptive father. And then from Kay, my birth mother, she's very strong and uh, very brave and she has a lot of tenacity and I feel that I must have received some of that in order to get to where I am now to go through this reunion process. You know, I was, I'm always, I'm kind of a fighter. I'm sort of a go-getter. I'm going to do it if I want to do it. And I feel like that, that edge, that tenacity, you know, she's the person who also went through so much hardship in her life and never gave up and always stands up again with strength and courage. So I feel like I got a tiny bit of that from her that has helped me, you know, do my own healing process and fight a really good fight with myself and stand up again and again in yeah. this life. Yeah. I wish we had more time because, as I said, I could talk to you about this for hours. <laughs> um, I will say that, I, in my opinion, I think it was very brave of your mom to give you up. Mm. Um, but another story for another day. Um, and I want to thank you for being the guest today on Speaking Candidly with Candace and sharing your story. Your book sounds fantastic. Tell uh, the audience where they can find copies of your book. Oh, yes. You can go to my website, daniellegaudet.com, and you can easily find it there or on Amazon. All right. Thank you again, Danielle. And thank you to the audience for tuning in today. This podcast and our online resources are funded through individual and corporate donations. Please visit us online at mentalfitnesssupport.com for previous podcast episodes, articles on various mental health topics, and accredited mental health resources. Remember, your story is your story. By sharing it, you not only help yourself, but you help others as well. Thank you, Candice.